0: Welcome to the Data Brilliant Podcast with me, Joe Dos Santos, Chief Data Officer at Click. In this series, we explore how data is reshaping and redesigning the future of our business and personal worlds. From business leaders to educators to public figures, we'll be joined by experts who will give us a fresh perspective on the world through data. Today I'm joined by talent management and workplace guru, Megan M. Biro. We'll be exploring whether the flood of data into our businesses will make us better or worse colleagues and how data will shape our future working relationships. Welcome to Data Brilliant, Megan.
1: I am so delighted to be here. Thank you, Joe.
0: So Megan, you just recently moved to Portland, Oregon. What made you pick up and move across the country from my hometown of Boston?
1: Um, One word, food. Mm. Portland, Oregon is an absolute delightful place if you enjoy restaurants, culture, um, but Honestly, um, it was time for a change, and uh, I had gone to school in Seattle, Washington, when grunge music was still something, by the way, and yes, I'm dating myself as a <laughs> Gen Xer right here off the bat with you, Joe, but it was a, a change of pace. I wanted to um, something new, and uh, my family and I were just ready to make that move.
0: So for our listeners, Megan and I discovered just recently that uh, she just left Cambridge, Massachusetts. I lived in Cambridge for eight years before moving across the border from Arlington, so we had a lot in common as we prepared for this podcast. (laughs) I am very happy to have someone like you here for our inaugural Data Brilliant podcast. Uh, These are very interesting times for us, and I think you're just the kind of person that our listeners are going to want to hear from. So I'd like to start off by asking you, you are a globally recognized technology and workplace thought leader. So I'd like to start to talk a little bit about the present and why technology is so important and how we're working and collaborating and innovating today.
1: Well, right now, I think we'd all agree that if it were not for technology, we would not be working. We wouldn't be collaborating. And we certainly couldn't innovate. The present is an unprecedented state of affairs. We have a global pandemic pandemic that is taking a tremendous toll on people's lives, work, societies, the economy, you name it, everything. I also think the global supply chain is something that we need to discuss, right? I think it's the least of it, but with so much shutdown, it's impossible to think of any kind of normal at this point. So I think we need to remember that this is not normal, and I've said this on Twitter and in my newsletter, right? Please understand that, right? It may not be completely back to what it was, but it won't be this. And I think we have a chance right now to make some amazing improvements and to fix a lot of underlying issues. And this reality has, in fact, made us change the way we interact with data. I think data has become our lifeblood, our truth, and that's going to have an enormous impact on overall work and creating this culture of learning.
0: I just wrote a blog that I hope to get out next week, which is about how we as citizens are interpreting the data. There is no shortage out there. There's John Hopkins, world worldometers. Um, and what's been interesting to see is how people have adopted the language so quickly about flattening the curve, uh, about you know, understanding the numbers and what they mean. Any thoughts on that? Like, what are your, what are your thoughts about how management is currently looking at these numbers and using them to make
1: informed decisions about their workplace. Unfortunately, sometimes it takes a crisis in order for us to start listening more and tuning into the technologies that we have. And uh, what I take away from it is that um, because of this crisis, leaders are tuning in, managers are tuning in, as well as employees, and um, using the tools. And this is something I've been talking about for about a decade now. And uh, in that way, it's rather uh, insightful and interesting, isn't it?
0: Yeah, we at Click have been doing a lot of work to understand, for instance, where are employees relative to the outbreak? And by doing so, you can make some decisions about work from home policy, office closures, um about different types of things that are affecting people disproportionately. And so it's been really interesting to understand how this uh, crisis is really affecting our employees.
1: We are finding new ways to communicate, to collaborate, and to engage. And to me that's really exciting.
0: Megan, do you have any real life advice that you can share on how we and our colleagues can use data to work better together?
1: Well, Joe, I think one thing is that we may have to have a reckoning in a larger sense. And what I mean by this is up-leveling our data and our abilities in a more holistic way. I think we're all going to benefit in this field from having the best tech and the data tools, right? But unless everyone has access, I don't think we can evolve. And and what I mean by that is – I'll give you an example – In Portland, Oregon, where I live now, we have 600,000 students enrolled in the Oregon public health system who now have to shift to distance learning, right, all at the same time. But thousands of students either don't have Wi-Fi or they don't have the equipment or both, right? This is happening all across the country and in universities as well, so I'm really worried that we're going to leave the next generation behind uh, in this way. I know. I know it's sort of I- ironic to think in that way. You know, I think not enough people right now know how to handle data and read data, and I think it's really important to raise the bar in terms of data literacy in our workforces right now, Joe. It's fascinating that you
0: bring that up. The idea of data literacy. I have so many things I want to jump on to what you just said, but the first that I'll pick at is. How on earth are we going to plan an exit strategy? How do we move from a descriptive model to a predictive and prescriptive model? When we don't, we can't read what's in front of us, how are we going to make some decisions mm-hmm. about what comes next? And I think these are really important governmental and societal things that we need to make sure people are smart and, and literate to be able to understand why we're doing the things that we're doing and to make sensible recommendations for, from a policy perspective, from a schooling perspective, from a social distancing perspective. So I've been thinking a lot about that.
1: Well, and I've also been thinking about the fact that it should just be a basic requirement at this point, right? The same way everybody learns how to spell, for example, or learned how to address an email, um, understanding how data works and how to read is so important. I, I really feel like, and I know you're going to understand this from you know, a very, very uh, complex angle, data is the language that drives all of us. And so having some sort of a universal language is so key. I mean, here's a question. So how do we provide the coaching and education to get everybody data literate? I asked that of you, right? And this goes for leaders. If you're out there listening to us, right? It's critical that everybody understands what it is and what it's showing and not just be relying on the outside experts in sort of this small world that we live in. It's sort of this data analytics bubble effect. You know what I mean? absolutely
0: agree. I've been thinking about this uh, through the lens of, you know, that we we live in a the fake news uh, era, and uh, people are influenced by punchlines as opposed to data. And in some respects, what we need to do is we need to demand more of our citizens to be able to hold elected officials and their, their corporate employers, etc., accountable for making sensible decisions based on the actual facts. In order to do that, they need to be comfortable with it. And it's unclear to me whether or not people really are. But I'm with you. I think ultimately we need to be better storytellers. We need to be able to convey um, data in a way that's not boring. We need to be able to get back to basics with this idea of a sense of truth uh, and what is a version of truth with universal definitions. We're going to agree on something like a mortality rate or uh, an, an, an infection rate or you know, um, different things that help us make sense of the situation that we're in. As opposed to having it be up for discussion and you know the mark twain line is there are lies damn lies and statistics Mm -hmm. Uh, We want to back away from that as much as we can (laughs) well stated Uh, megan you recently wrote a piece called five tips for leading teams through a crisis and i've been thinking about that in terms of how we manage those teams you know there's a lot of people who are lucky enough to be able to work from home they're away from their colleagues they're away from their customers we're thinking about this remote work as really an extended way of how we do things. How how should leaders lead? And how should they think about managing teams in a situation like this?
1: Each leader has a tremendous opportunity here to lead from the front, and I think to evolve and to innovate. And I think whether you have employees who are independent contractors or they're hourly or they're full-timers – You have to make sure that everybody is being taken care of and listened to. And I say this in times of non-crisis, but I say this now, it's more than ever, right? So making it a habit of getting on video, of communicating, and I would even say over-communicating at this point, um, is not a bad idea, Um, And in this way, you have an opportunity, I think, as a leader to evolve and to show your leadership literally through your behaviors, because that's how everyone is going to feel your presence as a leader.
0: I've been thinking about that in terms of the silver lining of these moments where leaders are more present, the communication is more forthcoming. And I started to think about whether or not this is going to stick with us beyond the crisis. Have we learned something from this? Is this going to create a new form of workplace flexibility? Will this, um, will this help to evolve um, some of our working practices, make us a little bit more agile, make us a little bit more reliant on uh, video communication as opposed to face-to-face communication? 100%.
1: I would say absolutely. We're already seeing these changes, I would say, in the last month or so. Um, We are changing. And as humans, I think sometimes we're a little bit scared about changing. But this has really brought the need for innovating, for communicating and finding tools to collaborate so much more pressing. And I think we're we're never going to go back to what it was a month ago. I think more and more we're going to find opportunities to engage online. Um, until we can have live events again Which I don't even know Joe And that's going to happen by the way I think these are very interesting uh, times And it's going to continue to unfold But we're going to change for the better
0: My head of sales said uh, It's the first time I can remember Where I know exactly where everybody is
1: <laughs> There you go Because yeah. you it, can uh, see them
0: exactly. <laughs> exactly You even start <laughs> to get a sense of what their kitchens look like And what their living mm-hmm. room looks like And what their children look like it's interesting because I feel like, in some respects, it's made us a lot more human. We are now, yes. you know, watching how people struggle with uh, getting their kids out of the way of the camera, and watching as people's spouses dart back and forth in the background to deposit coffee and such. And in some respects, I'm I'm enjoying getting to know people in this very human kind of way. And I hope that doesn't change when we're all done with this
1: how could it? I mean, there's something really magical about being human. And as I've mentioned before, you know, we bring our whole selves to work, Joe. We don't just bring half of ourselves. We bring our family in our history. Um, and I agree with you. I think um, by doing this exercise, we're going to be wanting more of it. And I think uh, certainly that's on the silver lining side of this.
0: So along those lines, what have you seen of technology, technology that's gone wrong? Uh, there are people, like you say, that are very familiar and comfortable with web meetings. I'm guessing there's others that haven't gotten that familiarity. So what are you hearing, and what can our listeners learn from those incidents?
1: Oh, jeez. Well, I mean, there have been some hilarious cases. I often cite the Zoom call where the boss is running a meeting and somehow wound up with the potato head filter on her face. <laughs> I mean, right I mean, but there's more to the story because she was looking for ways to actually break the tension and keep things real. So she just went with it. You know, and there's something really fun about being human, right? And her staff, of course, they loved it. So to me, that's a great example of a leader using the old EI word. And guess what that is? It's it's. It's that thing called emotional intelligence. I mean, I think she knew that that humor would actually cut through some of this sort of slightly tense, slightly dull digital meeting thing. And she really kind of in, in, made herself more human. And in that, as you had mentioned earlier, Joe, you know, people were starting to laugh. People were starting to feel more comfortable. So I think we need to convey more about our own humanity, um, You know, when we're separated by screens and that's what makes everybody comfortable. Right. But we need humor. And, you know, I've been having meetings which clearly, you know, life is happening in the background. You know, right. We've got interruptions. I mean, that's that's real. Um, But and that's okay. You know, I think the bigger issue right now that we're seeing is Internet and bandwidth. And again, that's an infrastructure issue, an access issue to go back to that. Right. Also security. I know you probably are mapping pretty closely to the whole Zoom story. Security is a big deal, and I think Absolutely. the suddenness with which we all had to pivot to remote teams has exposed some major security issues with everybody working online. Yeah. I, I, um, another point that you brought up with is the um, the the diversity
0: issue in terms of access to technology, and I'm curious as to whether that's pervasive across our workplace too. Are we starting to see? There is a have and have nots in our workplace. And is it affecting our ability to be remote and to be productive?
1: Oh, absolutely. And I don't think we're going to have this data for several more months, by the way. And what I fear is those in the have nots category will find it difficult to stay engaged and to stay employed. I mean, to me, that's the biggest risk here as we already have a talent crisis. We have a crisis of retaining our talent, right? So um, certainly in terms of HR and talent acquisition and management fields, uh, we got a lot of work to do if this is going to be the case. I I think we may start seeing this data. That's real. And it's scary.
0: That's going to be interesting to see Uh um, how, how diversity across the board is uh, is affected by situations like this. I think that one of the things that a pandemic like this does is it brings all these things very front and center in a way that they were a little bit theoretical before. I think about things, not only statistics about employees, but about things like um, global warming, for instance. Like I, I would imagine that, uh, I don't know if you've seen any pictures of Los Angeles lately. Uh, Los Angeles today does not look like it did two months ago with in terms of mm-hmm. atmosphere and, and smog. It's going to be interesting to see how this, uh, how this changes our perception of things. What parting thoughts can you give us for helping organizations support their people during this time? It's uncertain, and people are nervous. And as we were just call, calling out, great leaders need to find a way to lead. So what are some thoughts that you have for people to be able to to really support their people and give them security as uh, as things start to feel more and more uncertain?
1: I would say data is everything. For one thing, organizational strategy is going to have to, it's going to have a massive impact on your people, right? So you want to be making decisions and really embarking on a process around decision making that is driven by data, right? So looking at the right questions and then providing real answers. I think it means that we are making decisions for the organization and therefore your people, my people that are based on data, on these applications, um, on analytics, because ultimately, this is what is going to protect our employees from potential mistakes. And then, you know, I think we have to do for our own businesses what we've seen the data do for the health of the world. Um, But I think we've got a lot to do still, Joe. And, uh, you know, I think it's just an opportunity for uh, us to get smart about using data. Um, So...
0: And after all, it is a podcast about data. (laughs) So what's interesting about this crisis is that it's partly about the numbers, but really partly about the people. So how do we think about that? How do we make sure that people are able to absorb these numbers, but really start to turn them into something that feels a little bit more human and apply that?
1: I think it's a great question. And I think it's one that leaders around the world are asking themselves right now, um, I think people are prepared to change because we're, we're hurting, frankly, you know, these are sad times. Um, and I think we are prepared to change the way we work and to work in a way that we have better values, right? And that we're more empathetic. The word empathy comes to my mind, right? Mm. That we are starting to understand Uh, Through our loss, um, what it means to be empathetic to as a human at work, as a leader, as an employee. Um, So I think these are profound times. And I think it means workers around the world. um, We're going to be reeling in this for a long time, Joe. Like, the global economy has taken a hit, and I think people's lives and families and the abilities to survive are at stake. And I think if people have access to technology and data, um, you know, we're going to give them hopefully more equal access, as we've been talking around. So it's all about access. It's about humanity. It's about communicating. Um, And there's a great sadness here. Let's not, you know, gloss over this, right? But it's about committing. It's about committing to changing um, and to moving with the times, right?
0: Right, and to making macro decisions that affect people in their micro events and lives. Um, So I guess one of the questions that that comes to mind is, are we ready for that? Do we have the kinds of leadership in place that are ready to take advantage of all the data that's available to us? Are they literate? Do they have the right skills to make these decisions? And and how far off do you think we are from having a data-driven leadership team in the C-suite?
1: Well, I think if you look at the amount of millennials out there who are CEOs of companies right now, or we look at the future, right, the new generations, Gen Z, you know, if they want to use technology um they're going to use it, right? But you need to give people the option to work remotely, and then learn how to run the data, right? Give them the training to ask great questions, um, and you're going to get a big yes, right? I think every single generation, whatever you're in, I mean, I'm—I don't know about you, I'm a Gen Xer. How about you? I'm a Gen Xer too. Yeah, sometimes it makes me feel—I mean, right. But every single generation, I think, wants to be ahead and to remain, here's the R word, relevant. And I mm-hmm. think data and technology are the way we're going to do it. I really, truly believe that. So the more adoption we can we can have, the more we can use these tools, we're all going to be better off for it, no matter what generation you're hanging out in. Because, again, we want to stay relevant. We want to stay connected. I'm reminded of a,
0: a quote that... Um... I went to a session that day, a speaker said, All the Gen Xers in the room, I'm going to say a sentence and you're going to finish it. <laughs> and he said, I say jump, you say. And all the Gen Xers responded, Well, you probably know the answer to this, don't you? I say jump, you say.
1: Probably. Oh, how how high?
0: How high? Uh, and then he said <laughs> to, the, to the millennials, I say jump, you say. Why? <laughs> and it is interesting your yeah. point around an interesting question, right? The millennials, I think, are uniquely poised to ask much more interesting questions at this moment. How does this end? At what cost? At what impact? And they're uniquely suited to be able to process that information in, in some respects ways that uh, boomers and and, X, and Gen Xers are not quite suited to do who are more conventionally seeing data as KPIs and such. And I think this is a really important mm-hmm. moment to be able to predict the impact of a decision. Uh, how do you open up a store? How do you open up a business? How do you go back to the office? These are all really sophisticated data analyses that start off by asking really sophisticated questions.
1: I think no matter what generation you're in, if you're an HR or business leader, you're gonna have to commit to using data and technology to benefit people. I, I just don't think there's any way around it um, and it one that kind of invites everybody to the table. You know, let's not be afraid of the future. That's my that's my message today, right? Because there's gonna be a future. The future is now. And if we don't start taking action um and being part of how it plays out, it's gonna play out with or without us, right, Joe? That's right.
0: That's right. So Megan, what's the best way for our listeners to get more information from you?
1: Oh, check us out at talentculture.com.
0: Megan, thanks so much for being with us on our very first Data Brilliant podcast
1: super exciting time and thank you so much for having me
0: thank you for listening to this episode of data brilliant brought to you by click and hosted by me joe Dos Santos. you just heard a great deal from a world expert around how data is going to influence our behaviors in the workplace this isn't an easy situation but the data is helpful and so as we send these messages to you during a difficult time we wish you and your family well we wish your family health And we wish you good luck as you get through this, both in your professional and your personal
1: lives.